This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Glad to be in church tonight? It's better than prison. Huh? Come on now. You got to agree. Amen. So we're glad you're here this evening too. Praise God. I think I have a message that'll bless you. Amen. If it does, it's going to bless me. Actually, I'm already blessed. So whatever happens, happens, you know. You can either get in on this or you can just whatever, take a nap, I guess. I don't know. Did y'all bring a Bible with you tonight? Glory to God. Now, you do, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna engage here, aren't you, with me a little bit? I'm not going to go to the night-night thing. You had all the carbs and ate all that big potato salad, and now look at you. You know what I'm saying? You know, so I'll do my best to do my part. You do your best, do your part, and it'll all be good. Amen? Mark chapter 4, if you want to find that opening in your Bibles tonight, praise God. Hallelujah. I tell you what, you know, I was thinking about this today, but I, I, I got to tell you, we are living in one of the most epic times in all of man's existence. Hallelujah. We have the privilege of ushering in the return of Jesus. Praise God. He said, I am coming again. And there are all of these things, that the culmination of all things, that which God, you know, knew long ago before the foundations of the world. Here we are. You know, now I know, you know, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on in the world. But I'm telling you what, dude, you know, you could miss the forest for the trees here if you weren't careful. Because you get all caught up in all of that. And miss, everybody say miss. Everybody say, I'm not going to miss. No, you don't want to miss what it is that's going on in the world of the kingdom of heaven. Glory to God. The king is coming. Glory to God. And so he said, watch, because in a time when you think not, I'm going to show up. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about it being like a thief in the night. He said, if the goodman of the house would have known what hour the thief was coming, he would have been watching. So thank God we're going to be watching. For those that look for him, will he appear a second time? Not for the purpose of dealing with sin, but really for the redemption and the salvation of man. The culmination of all things. You know, Jesus Christ coming for his bride, the bride of Christ, you and me. And so I tell you what, you can rejoice. You can be glad. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I, I, there's just, I, woo, come on now. It's good. And so we're going to talk about some things I think will bless you, praise God, and, uh, and you'll be glad you were here. Let's pray together. Let's get ready to receive. Father in heaven, we are, well, we delight ourselves in you tonight, Father God. Glory to God. And you said that if we would do so, you'd give us the desires of our hearts. So, Father, we fix our attention, our focus. Father God, our gaze upon the one who purchased us with his own blood. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. He came and gave his life so that we could live. And he instructed us, Father, so that we could have life and life more abundant. And God, for these few moments that we have together here tonight, I just ask you, Father, for revelation knowledge in the hearts of every person present even those watching by internet, Father God, I thank you for laying down a foundation within each and every one of our lives in our hearts that causes us to be established and grounded, settled, Father, in that which we know is true. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Father, for the encouragement, not only of the Scriptures, but of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for quickening, making alive, glory to God, your living Word within us. And Father God, I thank you for your blessing in the house tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, let's look at this story together, one I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Mark chapter 4, um, beginning with verse... Um, uh, 35, 35, Mark 4 and verse 35. And the same day when the evening had come, he said to his disciples, Jesus did, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. He was in the back of the, or the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Freaked them out. At one moment, they're about to die. The next moment, there's a great calm. And Jesus spoke to them. Tonight I want to talk to you about being at, being at peace in the midst of the storm. Being at peace in the midst of the storm. You know, when Jesus had this incident occur, he said, let's go to the other side. And they took him even as he was. How was he? He was exhausted. He probably had an entire day of ministry and he was tired. So he said, get us to where, we're, where we need to go. And he went to the back part of the ship and went to sleep. So when he awakened, of course, you know, there was a lot going on. And he had a whole bunch of nervous folk in the ship with him. And he got up and spoke to the sea and the wind and said to peace be still. But when we see this incident and we see what happened, you know, he turned to his disciples and he said, why is it, you know, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I think when Luke wrote about this, actually Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about the incident. And when Luke talked about it, he, he asked the question, where is your faith? Now, you know, let's, let's give the disciples a little slack here. I mean, most people don't do those kinds of things. Are you listening to me? They said, what, what, what kind of guy is this that would do this? But yet right on the other hand, there's something in this an expectation, you might say, that Jesus had of these men. And, and so when we think about it, Jesus points to the fact that what they believed uh, <laughs> or didn't really believe was really the problem. He said, where is your faith? Okay? And, and think about that. And we'll talk about this more. But, you know, uh, the point here that I want to make is, is that the storms of life come to all of us. These guys were just doing what they were told. All of a sudden, this storm came up. 
You know, obviously hell had, you know, put this onslaught against them to try to keep them from doing the will of God, going to the other side, setting the captives free, going to another place, and so on and so forth. In other words, in the ministry of Jesus, the campaigns that he had, the devil was forever trying to thwart what it is that God wanted him to do. Not so much unlike you in your life and what it, what it is that God wants for your life and wants you to do. But the storms of life come to all of us. And there's no getting around that unless you want to go home early. Okay? And I, I kind of like to stick around because like I said, praise God. You know, I'm, I'm all good about going to heaven. You know, if that's, that's what the plan and the purpose is. But to see Jesus coming again. To be on the planet when he comes, woo, that is going to be one blast. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. But we're dealing with these, these storms. You know, it, it might be health concerns. It could be financial constraints. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be persecutions or afflictions, troubles, you know, uh, that we're seeing in the world. I mean, there's trouble everywhere. Everybody's got problems. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And yet in all of that, praise God, none of these things move God. He didn't, you know, it's like, well, that was a surprise. I didn't see that coming. No, he knows all about all of it. And he talked to these disciples about this. And I just want us to, you know, be able to get our head wrapped and our heart mainly around the peace that Jesus gives in the midst of storms so that we don't have to be overwhelmed so that we don't have to be overwrought, that we don't have to be worried. You know, I mean, worry, it's like, uh, I think it was Z.W. Kenyon or somebody said that it was the unhealthy child of fear and unbelief, you know. So <clears throat> when he said this to them, he said, you know, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It was a rebuke. He said, where's your faith? Okay, so again, there was this expectation, but, but can we? Or better yet, how do we successfully navigate through such matters and remain at peace and be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord as the scriptures say? How's that happen? That's a good question, huh? Thank God because, you know, if we can come to discover that, we're, we're in a good place because the blessing of God will rest in our life. Is it even possible for something like this to exist in our life? Well, from the things that Jesus said, he implied that it wasn't only possible, but that he expected it when it came to you and I in our relationship with God. How many of you here tonight are a child of God? Now, if you're a child of God, that puts you in a whole nother spot. If you're a child of the devil, well, then they're in a whole nother spot. But if you're a child of God, you know, it gives you a platform upon which to build your life. Jesus made statements like this. Don't let your heart be what? Now, who is the one that does that? We are. Each and every one. Don't let your heart be troubled. You know, when Jairus was about to lose his daughter, he turned to him and said, don't be afraid. Just believe. And I'm telling you what, when somebody comes up and says, don't even bother him anymore, your daughter is dead that pretty much, you know, puts the cap on it, huh? And yet Jesus said, it's not going to be a problem if you'll believe. All things are possible to him that what? Believe. Believes. Now, I didn't say that. Jesus did. Amen? 
when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, you know, he said that with, all, with God, all things are possible. There isn't anything that God can't do. I, I know he's bound by his word, but I'm telling you, he's God. Are you listening to me? And I tell you, I want to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And I want to stir up your hearts. I want to awaken you to who it is that you and I are serving. I mean, the king is coming, glory to God. And God, the creator of heaven and earth, is your father. So that puts you in a place that, I mean, you know, you talk about rarefied atmosphere. Baby, you're in it. But yet, right on the other hand, we still have to deal with life and all of the trappings of the world and everything that's going on and all of this stuff that's intended to suppress and to try to bring you down. But thank God there are men and women that have gone before us, praise God, and they've fought a good fight, they've finished their race, they, you know, they've done what it is that needed to be done. And I want to be one of them, don't you? I don't want to be the person, you know, that's just kind of dragging my, you know, my, my, my luggage here, you know, just trying to make it in. Glory to God, let's go with a shout. And let's get excited about what it is that he's done. Glory to God. He said, don't ever let your heart be troubled. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace do I give unto you. Not the stuff the world offers, but mine. He said, don't be afraid many, many times. But again, how, 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 how? Well, let's look at another verse of Scripture. Let's turn to John's Gospel, chapter 16. John chapter 16. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Woo! <sighs> Glory to God. John chapter 16. I want to read the very last verse in chapter 16. Now, Jesus is speaking. You say, how do you know that? Because it's written in red in some of your Bibles. Not mine, but somebody's. Okay? No, we know that he's speaking. He's talking to his disciples. Now, I want you to listen carefully. Listen carefully to what he told them. He said this in 33. He said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you might have what? These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Now, not everybody can get that excited about that idea, but somehow or another, Jesus is telling you and I as believers to be of good cheer. You know, I see a lot of Christians, they ain't of good cheer, okay? I mean, you know, you get around some of them and they're anything but good cheer, huh? Yeah, well, there's a reason for that. So I'm reading this verse of Scripture and I'm thinking to myself, hallelujah, you know, praise God. You know, there's got to be something here that we need to understand. Notice with me, if you would, again, this verse of Scripture. He said, these things... I have spoken to you so that in me you might have peace. Well, all of a sudden, I got to thinking and asking myself, what did he say to them? What is it that, that Jesus said to these disciples because he said that I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In the world, it's not going to be cool, but don't, don't let that bother you. 
I've overcome the world. Woo! Okay? I, I want to ride that train. Okay? If, the, if you like riding roller coasters, this is the one you want to be on. Okay? So, so immediately I begin to ask myself, what did he say to these disciples? Because he told them something so that they could be in peace or have his peace. So I went clear back to the 13th chapter, and we won't take time to do all of that. But I just want you to know that there are some things that he said, praise God. Woo! Glory to God. That'll bless your life if you listen. Now here's an interesting thing. Uh, I would ask you to just back up to chapter 13 and read this first part, and then I'll, I'll fill in the blanks. But notice here in chapter 13, this is where this discourse starts. So everything in 13, 14, 15, and 16, actually even in 17, as he's praying, they, they, it's all included as a part of this particular um, teachable, powerful kind of moment in these disciples' lives. Much of the things that he spoke to them, they didn't understand. But nevertheless, he was telling them the truth. Amen? Now notice, notice in thir uh, chapter 13, notice it says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, now listen, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world. Now, <clears throat> that's a nice way to say that in not too many days, they're going to murder him. They're going to kill him, and they're going to crucify him. Now, we don't, you know, in the natural, you look at that and you think, you know, of the atrocity that was about to take place, but Jesus knew that his time was come and that he was leaving the world. You know, someday you're going to leave the world. It's not a bad thing. Matter of fact, it's a glorious thing. You know, it's just, you know, the thing I guess that sometimes matters is how we go. You know, but either way, whether it be good or bad, you go to sleep in Jesus or someone takes your life. Guess what? <laughs> you have just arrived in eternity with Jesus. So reading this again, he said that he knew that his hour was come, that he should depart from this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them to the end. So if I knew that someone was going to take my life within a matter of days, you know, different things of that, and actually they apprehended him that night, and then they, you know, basically sent him to the cross the next afternoon. If I knew that, probably the last thing that I would be doing is, is saying, okay, everyone, gather around and let's have a teachable moment and let me talk to you a little bit. Huh? But you know, that's exactly what he did. You know, when he knew all this was going down, what did he do? The Bible says that supper being ended, he took his garments, laid them aside, girded himself with a towel, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Of course, Peter, he didn't, you know, I mean, <clears throat> when, when you get into a situation like that, your pride can really be challenged. And it was just unthinkable for this man to think that Jesus, his Lord and Savior, would be the one washing his feet. You know, it's hum humbling, no question about it. 
He said, Master, you can't do this. He says, if you don't let me do this, then you're not part of with me. He says, well, wash the whole body then, you know. So he gets us all done. Now, I, 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 want, I want you to wrap your head around this. Again, he knows that they're coming, but he is absolutely settled and unshaken by it. And he takes this opportunity to teach his disciples. So after it was all over with, he said, do you know what I've done to you? And uh, you call me master and Lord, you say, well, for so I am. So if I, your, your Lord and master, wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. So all of a sudden, he goes into this thing, even though, uh, you know, his life is about to ta- be taken. He chooses, he chooses to create a teachable moment to demonstrate, listen, servanthood and biblical love. It's like, I want to get this across to you. One more time, I want to talk to you about this is how life works. This is how you succeed. This is how you overcome. And I want to be an example of that to you here. And you know, <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, when, when you go back to the question in, in uh, John chapter 16, these things I've spoken unto you, primarily the things that he spoke to them in that moment of his life was what was about to happen so that they would believe that he was, in fact, the Christ. Are you with me? Why is that important? Because the thing about it is, you guys, all of our, our faith hangs on what he said. We live, we move, we have our being based upon the fact that Jesus said, this is how I would have you to live. I want you to do these things. Don't do these things. So he's telling them primarily that about, uh, again, what was about to happen before it happened so that they would believe. You know, John, he said the same thing in his, his gospel back in, I think, you know, one of the latter chapters. He said, all this is written so that you will believe. So when it comes to faith, when it comes to you, you know, being an overcomer, when it comes to you uh, living victoriously or being settled or not soon removed or shaken or, or, or nervous or worried or whatever, it's all based upon what it is you believe about the Word of God. Hallelujah. And it's an, empower, it's, a, it's an empowering thing when we understand that. You know, because he's sitting there and he's telling them these things. Again, what did he say? You go home and study it. But, well, first he talked about his betrayal and his death. He said, one of you are going to depray me, betray me. And that, that upset the apple cart. They're going, my God, who, 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 me, me, is it me, is it me? Yeah, I mean, we know you know everything, but, you know, who is it? He said, one of you are going to betray me. You know, I was thinking about this, but I thought about, I thought about uh, Judas. And I thought to myself, if this guy is sitting there and says, one of you are going to betray me, if I was Judas, you would think, my God, he knows I'm out. But you know what? When you're blinded by sin and covetousness and the love of money and your heart is not with someone, you'll do all kinds of stupid things. And he went right on and did it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you would have thought that if Jesus said, one of you are going to betray me, he, he, would, have, he would have, oh, whoa, oh, we, no, I'm not doing this. 
but he did it anyway. Isn't that amazing to you? Well, anyway, so he said, he said, uh, um, he spoke to them about his betrayal, the fact that he was going to die, in spite of which he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You know, you can't, see, the thing of it is, you guys, is when it comes to faith, you got to believe that he is and a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Because there are things that goes on in your life that you don't understand. But God is still a faithful God. He said, they're going to come and take my life, but don't be worried about it. <laughs> How's that work? You know what I'm saying? So we got to give the, the disciples a little grace. But he encouraged them to believe. He said, believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Or at least believe me for the very work's sake. So what he's trying to do is get them to believe him. That's what he's trying to get us to do tonight is to believe him. That he would take care of us. That he would meet our needs. That he would provide for whatever it is that we have going on in our lives. And that we don't have to care or worry or have anxiety. He gave them his name in the context of this for dominion. He said, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. I'm sure that went right past him too. We're talking about what it is that he said to them, huh? These things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have what? What? Peace. Peace. You don't have to worry about anything. Hallelujah. Well, I wish I could do that, Pastor. Well, you can. You know, God would never ask you to do something you're incapable of doing. If you're a child of God, baby, you got the goods. And you don't have to be afraid. Now, fear might come, but thank God you don't have to succumb, but you can resist it. Are you listening to me? Better turn there now. Look at this with me here in uh, 2 Timothy. Um, 2 Timothy um, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 talking about this you know um, sometimes I guess that some of the things we concern ourselves with are well they kind of they kind of pale in comparison to real issues they really do now my wife and I walked the streets of Ephesus where Timothy was martyred they killed him in the streets or in the street there's one main street that goes down uh, through there and they killed him prior to that you know <clears throat> the thing about Timothy is that he was alone and he was discouraged and he was afraid you know when you when you take positions of leadership sometimes you do end up standing alone when you're a parent and you you know you have to say this is the way we're going to live sometimes you stand alone but I tell you what, all of heaven stands beside you, behind you, and around you for your choice and decision to do what it is that God has asked you to do. So this young man is, I mean, he's, he's, he's in a bad spot. 
pro, he was a protege of Paul, and he's pastoring this church, and he's struggling. So Paul begins this process, and he begins by, first of all, saying, you know, uh, my heart is so towards you in your life. When I think about your mother and the faith she had, your grandmother, and the faith she had, I know that it's in you. What's he doing? He's encouraging him in his faith. Listen, you guys got faith, or you wouldn't be here tonight. And I tell you what, you probably got a whole lot more than what you realize. Woo! And so he's in this place, you know, and, and he's saying, man, I know, I'm persuaded that that same kind or quality of faith is in you. And, he, and then so he goes on to say, he says, so, so I want you to stir up the gift of God that is within you, that you receive by the laying on of my hand, because God has not given you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. He's encouraging him, isn't he? Now let's go on in this, because he's not done there, that, that we're down to verse 7. He said in verse 8 then, he said, so, so don't be ashamed. Everybody say, I'm not ashamed. So he said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me as prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions huh, of the gospel according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace that was given in Christ before the world began. And it's now manifested by the appearing of our Savior, who has abolished death and has brought uh, life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Now listen to this. For the which cause I suffer these same things nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Now listen to this. Get this. Write it down. Underline it. For I know whom I have believed. Those words right there, my friend, are they're game changers. You got to know who that you believe in. Child of God, you have to know in whom you have believed. And listen to this. And know or be persuaded that he is able to what? Keep you. Keep you. I said keep you. Well, I don't know what God's going to do. You know, I'm kind of nervous about it. I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to keep you. Paul talked about it in his own testimony. I mean, you know, you, you know when, he said when all hope of living was gone. When they were out there on that ship, got shipwrecked, remember that? He went to God in long abstinence. God spoke to him and said, Paul, I'm going to give you all the people that are on the ship in your life too. And he said, an angel stood beside me and, for, and said, whose I am and whom I serve. God knew something about, I mean, Paul knew something about his God. The people that do know their God shall be strong. Well, if Paul could do it, I can do it. If Paul could do it, you could do it. Why can't we have that same kind of faith? So he said, I'm not ashamed because I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded whoo, that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him. Now notice what it goes on to say to conclude then. 
Hold fast then the form of sound words. You know, right now, dude, I mean, there are all kinds of preachers compromising their, their ministry and their message and they're, you know, trying to get everybody happy, you know, and make them all feel good and whatever. Dude, sometimes the gospel doesn't make you feel good. It challenges you. I just read an article about some ther- sex therapist, and she belongs to the uh, <clears throat> uh, Mormon church, okay? And, and she's, she's on this rant because another sex therapist from the Mormon, Mormon church got excommunicated. And she got, ex- or he, I don't know, it, whatever, got excommunicated because... She, he, whoever wanted to do away with the stigma that's associated with pornography and masturbation and homosexuality and gender problems and whatever. So the church kicked her out. Him, it, I don't know, whoever it was. So this other one, she's all jazzed up because, you know, all of a sudden now... The church is going to mess up her deal. In other words, all of us are going to lose our credibility. And then they, they said, this, you know, somebody else got in on this whole deal and said, yeah, you know, the church is being abusive. And they're trying to silence us. You know, it's all right for them to silence you, but you can't silence them. But it doesn't have anything to do with any of that. This woman, she's all jazzed up because she may lose her credibility. Listen, if you're guiding people that way, you ought to lose your credibility. Clown. So you can't be ashamed of the gospel. You can't be ashamed of the truth. Are you with me? Well, you know, we better not say anything because we might offend somebody. Good. I said good. I said good. It's about stinking time somebody started offending somebody. You say, is that scriptural? I think it is. You say, why? Because Paul offended a lot of people. Huh? Wow, we really got off track here. 13 again, hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard of me. In faith and love which is in Christ. That good thing which was committed to you, keep it by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, that dwells in us. Now, he goes on, he makes this other statement. This is powerful, look at it. This, you know this though, that all those who are in Asia, what? Have what? They did what? They turned away, of whom is Phagellus and, and Hermogenes. And then he talks about Onesiphorus who helped him. So, so what's he doing with this guy? He's saying, hey, dude, first of all, I know you got faith. I've seen it in your mom and dad. But God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So I want you to stir up the gift of God that's in you. And praise God, I want you to hold fast to the form of sound words. You got the goods, you can make it. And, you know, if you feel like you're alone, listen, everybody in Asia forsook me. He said, but I'm still doing what I do. And I tell you, dear friends, God wants you to do the same thing too. Woo! Don't apologize for the gospel. Glory to God. But be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Well, that's all I got to say about that. Let's go back where we were. He said, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So he encouraged his disciples to believe. He gave them his name for dominion. He talked to them about the Holy Ghost. He said, I've got a lot of things I'd like to share with you, but you can't bear or endure or understand them now, but the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. He talked to him about the Holy Ghost. Woo! Glory to God. I mean, just saying it gets me excited. Because he'll put you over. He'll help you. He'll bless you. He told them that the world would hate them. Well, I don't want anybody to hate me. It's occupational hazard. Huh? You can't be a child of God and not be hated by the devil or the people in whom the devil lives. Okay? It's an impossibility. He said this. He told them that the world would hate him because it hates me. You know, it's not even really so much you as it is the Jesus that's in you. Huh? Hell hates Jesus because he whipped them and defeated them and stomped on them and said, I got the keys and your future is not bright. Are you with me? He told them that these things, he told them these things so that they would not be offended in him. Okay? So what does that mean? That means that they wouldn't draw back when the pressure came. Are you listening to me? See, what he means by that is, is that, you know, well, Mark talked about this, and maybe we'll get there, I don't know tonight whether we will or not, in that parable of the sower. He said, when afflictions or persecutions arise for the word's sake, immediately, I think, does the King James say they're offended? Okay. So, so that's what he's talking about. He's talking about not being offended in him. And I tell you what, praise God, they scattered like the wind, man, when they came and got Jesus, the disciples, man. And he told them, he said, you're going you're to bolt, baby. I just tell you, that's what's going to happen. But something happened on the day of Pentecost, dear friends. When those guys got empowered by the Spirit of God, and they seen the boldness of Peter and John, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Something changed. The righteous, the Bible says, is a bold, as bold as a lion. We don't have to apologize. We don't have to do anything like that. I'm not talking about being arrogant, but I'm telling you, praise God, knowing who you are in Him, in the world in which we live. Glory to God. <clears throat> and he said, they'll do these things to you because they don't know God and they don't know Jesus. Okay? So it shouldn't be a big surprise to us. You know, those guys back there in the book of Acts, they, they, they rejoiced in the fact that they were counted worthy that they should suffer for Jesus. Huh? We don't think about that. Oh, my God, I don't, you know, I don't want that. Well, dude, if you're going to live for God in this present world where you and I are living, you better, get, you better gird up the loins of your mind, baby. Am I in the right house? How many of you glad? You still glad you came? If nothing else, a pulled pork was good. Okay? 
But here's the thing. He told them that they were going to experience incredible sorrow. They watched him die. They watched Rome crucify him. But then he said that that sorrow would be turned into a joy that no one will ever be able to take away from you. Now, I'll tell you what, dude, that is powerful. Isn't that cool? I mean, when he come up out of that grave and those guys gave witness to his resurrection, everything changed. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost, and they became new creations in Christ. And then on the day of Pentecost, praise God, bam! He gave them the power, glory to God, to be able to live out their lives in a successful kind of way. Hallelujah forevermore. Glory to God. In troubling times that we're being met with within our generation, then the same, you know, if you're going to deal with it, it's going to be dealt with the same way successfully that, that Jesus, you know, told these disciples. In other words, we're living our lives right now, we're doing our thing, and we're saying, Jesus, I need a word. Can I have a word? Because right now I'm kind of a little nervous and, you know, there's all this stuff going on and I need a word. And he would say, I got one for you. Huh? What's the word, Jesus? These things I've spoken unto you that in me you'll have peace. It's his word. Praise God. You say, well, what's his word to us? His word is that he's coming again. His word is that he's made you more than conqueror through him that loved you. His word is, praise God, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. His word is greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. His word to you, praise God, is you win. Hallelujah. So live like it. Talk like it. Believe like it. And enjoy heaven's best. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, I tell you what, praise God, we need to stir ourselves up. The church needs to stir themselves up. The church is asleep. You know, sometimes on Sunday afternoons when everything's all over with, you know, my wife and I, we go home and she feeds me lasagna and I get a whole bunch of carbohydrates in me, baby, it's time for a nap. And I mean, I am gone with the wind. So when I finally wake up, I mean, it's like, where am I? How many of you know what I'm talking about? The church is that way. They've slumbered and slept, and they're, they're in this like, oh, my Lord, give me some caffeine. We need to stir ourselves up. You say, how do you do that? By finding out stuff like this. Praise God. So that you can be filled with the Spirit. Praise God. Fan Him into a flame in your life. Because of what it is that he's done for you. Glory to God. Well, um, to bring this to a close. Um, <clears throat> probably <clears throat> the biggest challenge or greatest challenge that I see in the body of Christ is guarding their own hearts. And I don't think a lot of folk are doing it. Okay? Okay guarding their own hearts in order to be kept by our Heavenly Father. You know, Proverbs 20, or chapter 4 and verse 23 says, guard your heart with all diligence. In other words, dude, there ain't nothing else that's more important than this right now. You better guard your heart. 
Because there's all kinds of voices. There's all kinds of doctrines. There's all kinds of things. You know, the people are saying, and, and whether you realize it or not, when you're, when you're swimming in this cesspool, you know, it, it, it's in the air you breathe. It's in the water that you drink. And God wants you to guard your heart against it. Does that make sense to you? He said, my son, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart because there are life to those that find them and their health to all your flesh. And that's when he then said, guard your heart. 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 You see all these parents that are coming against this critical race theory? God bless every one of them. Because that stuff is right out of the cesspool of hell. And thank God they're standing up and saying, you are not shoving this down my kid's throat. Because of the color of your skin, you're wrong. That's what they're teaching them. And I tell you what, you've got to stand up. Are you listening to me? You know, we were born the way we were. Blacks were born the way they were. It's not about color. It's about character. And that's where we're losing it. Are you listening to me? So, now, do people like that? Not everybody. But you know what? Praise God. I thank God I admire every parent that said enough of this. Are you listening to me? Why? Because, because the thing is, is that the, the, the boundaries have changed. In other words, there are no boundaries, really. There's no standards. There's no more standard. Moral standard. So people are so goofed up, they don't know what's right. But, you, you know, don't you dare bring God into this. Well, if you don't, you are forever lost. Huh? They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And so God gave them up, not because he wanted to, they chose. He gave, he gave them up to a mind that is void of judgment. They couldn't figure out what's right if their life depended on it. And they're telling you what it is that you're supposed to think and believe and do all that? It's from hell. So don't you dare lay down on it. Because the world really is counting on you. You're salt and light. The greatest, again, challenge I see in the body of Christ is having, or, or having is, is to guard their own heart in order to keep, be kept by our Father keeping your focus and your gaze on him. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What does the word say about this? What does the Bible say? What did Jesus say? That's what's important. Not what people think. Huh? You know, they got all kinds of goofed up ideas about gender, you know, and people are, they're sick and tired of that too. You know, that one uh, teacher, you know, they suspended him. And thank God a bunch of people and a judge said, no, you're not going to do that. See, it's, well, I don't want to get off on that. Praise God. You know, but I guess, thank God he took a stand. You know. And you know why he did? Because it violated what it is that he believed. He was a believer. He's a Christian. He said, no, nah, I ain't doing that. You know, biologically, you are either a male or a female. And we're not going to muddy up the water with all of this other junk because of some preference that some person who doesn't know who they are 
has decided that they're going to be different. Did you plan all that? No, okay. She says, no, I wasn't in on that. Listen to this. But take heed to yourselves. Jesus is speaking. This is in Luke 21, 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing, this translation says, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. Did you hear that? The cares of this life. That that day come on you unexpectedly. See, the thing about it is, is that as believers, man, dude, what we don't want to do is try to rearrange the, you know, the, the uh, furniture up on top of the Titanic. Are you with me? That's not the problem. What we want to do is we want to make sure that we're guarding our heart with all diligence and that we're doing what we can to help others find their lives in Christ and be born of the Spirit of God and come out from among them. Dude, this isn't like, you know, okay, we're going to pet your sin. You get to do whatever. No. He said, come out. Touch not the unclean thing. You know, the Bible talks about not having any dealings with people, you know, that are compromising and they're just, you know, doing whatever it is that they want. And you know, well, blah, blah, you know. Don't be confused, friends. There's a life in which he wants us to live. So again, he says, make sure that your heart is not weighted down. And he describes some of these things and the cares of this life. I, I suspect... I don't know this, just an assumption maybe more on my part, but I suspect that as we move forward, people are going to be less and less inclined to understand what, is, what it is that's going on in their lives and how they're being swept away and don't even know it, you know? But it talks about here about the cares of this life and the day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell upon the face of the whole earth. So watch therefore and pray always. Hallelujah. And there's other things he said there. Um, <clears throat> let me, let me, let me. I wonder if they're having a good time out there getting wet. <clears throat> I'll just say this. Um, now, <clears throat> y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? You know? <laughs> Listen, I know this is going to sound really strange, but you, child of God, genuinely have nothing to be afraid of. And here's why I say that, because he's your father. I mean, if everything goes to hell in a handbasket, you don't ever have to be afraid, because he's your father. Now, he doesn't want to be disappointed in you. He wants to be proud of you. Isn't that right? So while we're going through this life and we're doing what it is that we do, then praise God, let's stand up, stand up for Jesus, you, you soldiers of the cross. Amen? He'll take care of you. You're going to be okay. You know, but, the, but you genuinely do not have to fear 
anything. You believe that? You know, the couple examples, <laughs> Jesus on one occasion, he says, let's go back down to Judea. And they said, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Jesus, I don't, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I will guarantee you all 12 of them chimed in. Dude, we just barely got out of there with our hides the way it is, and you're wanting to go back? He said, they want to stone you. He said, he just asked a question. He says, aren't there 12 hours in a day? Well, yeah, there is. I mean, in the day day, you know, except right now. Dude, you can get up 4.30 and it's light now. Huh? It's like, come on, let's get started, you know, until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, anyway, yeah, he says, uh, he said, uh, he said, they want to stone you, and you want to go there again? And then he asked this question. Well, he actually said to them, he said, aren't there 12 hours in a day? Now listen, if anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So what's that mean to you and me? That just means, praise God, his indwelling presence can guide and keep you, and you don't have to fear. He went back there and raised Lazarus from the dead. Are you listening to me? Because two or three days before that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Well, somebody's going to have to go back there and do something about it, and glory to God, he did. Amen? So you genuinely do not have to be afraid. And I mentioned uh, um, uh, the, uh, the story of Paul and Timothy. You know, he was discouraged, he was afraid, and he felt like he was alone, but he wasn't. How many of you know tonight you're not alone? You're not alone as a parent. You know, you're not alone as a person raising children. You're not alone in the wisdom that you need and the advice that heaven wants to give you. You're not alone. You're not alone in your marriage. If there's trouble there, God wants to help you there too. Hallelujah. He can give you guidance. He can give you wisdom. There's times when we want to say something and he says, uh-uh. Say nothing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I want to give them a piece of my mind. No, you don't. They don't need it. Okay? Are you listening? If we'll listen and learn to listen, praise God, the Spirit of God will guide us and lead us in everything that we need to know. If we'll just ask Him, you know, and look to Him and then do what He tells us to do. Asa was a great king. Don't have time to get into it, but he was a great king. Excepting when he, you know, got a little bit down the road, then he got all haughty and puffed up, like a lot of them do. And, uh, and uh, he wanted to do something, you know, uh, in the place of the priest, and it was not his place. And so he got all jazzed up about it. And actually, you know, he threw a bunch of the priests in jail and all kinds of things. And he, he went stupid. Okay. And then he got diseased in his feet. And the Bible tells us that, you know, he looked to the physicians, but he never, ever asked God, and he died. You know, I'm not against physicians, you know what I'm saying? But praise God, we ought to ask the Lord a little bit once in a while about what's going on in our lives. Are you listening to me? He might have some wisdom for us. Sometimes he might say, you need to go to the doctor. Or he might say, you know, whatever it is that he says, I don't know. But my point to that is, Let's look to him first. 
Josphat, you know, he's going to go to battle with Ahab. Ahab says, ah, oh, no, I don't like that guy. I hate him. He says, I don't like that guy. I hate him because he never prophesies the way I want him to. Well, let's bring him on in here and see what he says. And the, and the prophet mocked Ahab. Yeah, go ahead, man. You, yeah, you'll, 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 you'll win. You know. Whew. Y'all glad you came? Everybody say it together. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Praise God. The greater one indwells you. Glory to God. And you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Hallelujah. So everybody, I mean, every morning, I mean, you look in the mirror, I don't care what you look like. I usually got this spike thing going on, but I'm telling you what, man, I'm looking at a, a world conqueror. Amen. My wife gives me a hard time about my hair in the morning. Can you imagine that? Huh? What do you call me? Let's see. Yeah, a cockatoo. <laughs> see what I have to put up with? Wow. Hallelujah. I give her a little hard time, though, too. She can pick up frequencies with that thing from anywhere in the universe, you know. But we're all in this together. Amen. Praise God. Why don't you stand with me? We'll pray and commit this to our hearts, and then we'll move on. <laughs> Come on over here. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Glory to God. We're thankful for what it is you've done. And I pray, Father, that these things I've spoken this evening, Father God, will grant those that have heard peace, both here in the auditorium, those that are watching uh, by internet. Father God, I thank you for the promises that you've made. Help us, Lord, to believe in what it is that you've said. Not only that, Father God, but help us, Father God, to walk in the light thereof. Yes, Lord, you sent your word and healed us, delivered us from our destructions. That's your method. You send us your word so that the blessing of God can exist within our lives. So I thank you, Father God. We come against fear and discouragement in any person's life here tonight, right now, in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for hope rising within their hearts. I thank you for peace, Father God, serving as an umpire. And I thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Guide us tonight, Father, in our giving. We thank you, Father God, for the privilege of sowing into the kingdom of God. And Father, as we give, we know it'll be given to us, good measure, pressed down and shaken together. Glory to God. So we thank you, Father, for promotions. We thank you for blessing. We thank you, Father, for unexpected things that come our way. We thank you, Lord, for sustenance. We thank you for supply for every need that we have. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. All right, you may be seated. We're going to receive our offering.